everybody to the Norwood Noise podcast. Um, this episode is being recorded on Wednesday, December 14th and will be uploaded on Thursday, December 15th. Um, this is a loaded podcast. There's a lot of content here in this episode. Um, great stuff, a lot of big headlines, a lot of great games this past weekend, a lot of great games coming up this weekend. So we had a lot to talk about. It's a great loaded episode. Um, definitely an all-timer here. So stay tuned for that. Um, but I... You know, I would be remiss, and I think Graham, you know, Graham and I agreed that we would, you know, both it would be poor of us for um, to not start the episode in a little bit more reflective um, way here, just with the past, you know, with these this past week and what's gone on uh, in the sports world and the sports journalism world. Um, unfortunately, we had a loss in the sports journalism community. Uh, Grant Wall, a former cover illustrator or cover writer for Sports Illustrated passed away this past week um, while covering the World Cup in uh, Qatar, in Doha, Qatar, um, covering the sport that he loved and was most passionate about. Grant was a cover writer for Sports Illustrated for so many years. He did so many incredible cover articles that you will recognize, you know, if you look up any of the cover articles from about the early to mid-2000s to about 2012, you see any of those cover articles from Sports Illustrated, really when college basketball, um, you know, was was very synonymous with Sports Illustrated cover articles and and how awesome and impressive a lot of those were. Um, Grant wrote majority of those, so... Um, obviously a very talented writer um, and honestly was at the was kind of the pinnacle and at the peak of um, you know college basketball and college basketball journalism uh, and he had his you know could have had his life set um, but instead he went on a different path he decided to follow his passion and um, help report on soccer and the growth of the game in the United States and how important it was um, to you know, be knowledgeable and knowing uh, what was going on with this team and how um, you know it was becoming such a popular sport, he kind of followed his passion in that sense uh, in wanting to report and be a part of kind of that rising of of popularity in U.S. soccer. And um, you know, U.S. soccer wouldn't be where it is today without Grant's uh, independent reporting and independent work. So that was obviously also phenomenal, just as all of his work at SI was as well. Um, a Kansas City, Kansas native, just as myself. He actually went to a middle school right down the road of mine. Uh, he, he wrote the 2008 cover article for the national championship when Mario Chalmers hit um, his unbelievable miracle shot um, to send it into overtime against Memphis. Um, this this one hit home for me um, a lot. This was a, a very rough loss. Um, personally and someone that you know was an idol of mine and that I always looked up to um, someone that did work in two areas and two sports that are my two favorite and two that were very close to my heart and that I loved um, so a, a very tough loss for myself and, and obviously for all of the sports community uh, more so for his family um, you know obviously they were here stateside while he was um, just doing what he loved and what he um, had set out to do many years ago, and he finally got to see that pinnacle of the United States playing at the World Cup again after, um, you know, an eight-year an eight-year gap there after not qualifying for the 2018 World Cup. So, um, again, just felt that we would be remiss if we did not um, mention and honor him here at the beginning of the podcast. Um, thank you, Grant, for all your work, for all your incredible work, for inspiring so many 
of us, myself included, future journalists, um, you know, me- members of the media, people that want to do just what you did, um, you know, people that wanted to be, you know, your coworker, people that wanted to be your peer, um, and learn so much from all of your incredible work. So thank you, Grant. Um, thank you to his family. Um, and just best wishes are, are, you know, thoughts and prayers are with them in this very difficult time. Um, you know, as we kind of see the wake and the, the outpouring of, uh, memories and support in the, in the wake of, of Grant's passing. So, um, Thank you again all for listening, of course. Um, We'll get you into the action now. We'll turn it straight into the hoops. Um, But again, just felt that we would be remiss if we did not mention that here at the top of the pod. Um, But anywho, we'll get you straight into the action. Uh, Enjoy this episode, and we will see you all next week. Cheers. All right, welcome back to the Norwood Noise Podcast. It is Wednesday, December 14th. Graham and I are back. We are joining here for what should be a little bit beefier episode. Um, quite a bit to talk about here, a lot of big headlines outside of just a, a good first week in a basketball, um, kind of where basketball was king this weekend for the first time this season. Um, I know we talked about it, G, but, um, obviously army Navy was the only kind of mainstay college football game on Saturday. So a lot of the focus was on college hoops, uh, and definitely, um, you know, treated us to a, to a good weekend of hoops. So, uh, first of all, how are you doing, Graham? Um, what's, you know, kind of where's your state at? Obviously, finals wrapping up for both of us, about to head home. What are you looking forward to about the holidays and so on? Well, yeah, I mean, it's uh, good to be back, you know, holding ourselves to that once a week. We're doing good. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's been a little bit of a stressful week, you know, with finals week and you know, Xavier having a game on Tuesday. Um, but with that being said, I mean, it, it's – you know, this is a nice reward coming up, winter break. You know, get to go home, spend some time with the family, uh, eat some home-cooked meals, get some food from yes, restaurants please. that you don't really get to see uh, down here in Cincinnati. So I'm looking forward, you know, just having that time away from the constant, uh, the stressors that just come with the daily work life here. Um, with that being said, I think we yeah, should dive right couldn't, in. Couldn't agree more there. Yeah. We'll dive right in. Uh Big storyline uh, coming out uh, today uh, as we are recording this. Um, the IARP ruling on the Sean Miller in Arizona situation um, came out today. Uh, the big headline, obviously, is going to be that Xavier's current coach, Sean Miller, uh, will not be facing any sort of suspension. Um, there's a lot of like uh, dead air the past couple months, you know, with Memphis and. Um, Kansas, you know, their rulings coming out about what what's going to happen with Sean Miller. And a lot of Xavier fans were worried when um, he was brought on to the staff when the season started. It's like, oh, my God, are we not going to have him for UC? We're not going to have him for Duke and Gonzaga. Like, what's going to happen? So this is a re- real big sigh of relief for Xavier fans, uh, knowing that um, Coach Miller will be on the bench for the foreseeable future. Um Arizona, on the other hand, not a huge um, lump of suspensions. I mean, this IARP was, I remember when all of this buzz was coming around the past couple of years that this was supposed to be the hammer and everything was going to, you know, go away and whatever. But these suspensions and these punishments uh, for these teams have not been that severe. Um, they are not giving them a postseason ban since Arizona already self-imposed one a few years ago. Um, They have a few less weeks of recruiting time. They have one less scholarship for the 2023-24 season. And I, I, there might be something else, but like at the end of the day, it doesn't seem like there's a lot, lot going on with this situation. Uh, Evan, what do you think? about this kind of IARP whirlwind. <laughs> I, I mean, I think, I guess I'm not, I, I am a little bit surprised because obviously we got the, the rulings on Memphis and Louisville. And when those two came out, it was kind of like, well, um, you know, this is obviously seen as a slap on the wrist. Like the IARP to some extent discern, you know, determined that, they didn't see anything worthy of significant punishment, which was totally fine. But 
when it came to the Arizona case, I I did have some, you know, a little bit more op like I don't know about optimism being the right word because obviously I was hopeful that you know this is kind of what we got out of it, but I was a little bit more concerned, I guess, um, just because Miller was assessed with a a level one uh, coach control charge um, in the case, so that was my concern was that. In the pre in the previous two cases, we didn't have any coach control charges. We didn't have any, you know, direct, um, I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, direct correlation or connection to the actual acts. Um, you know, considering Patino um, and Hardaway down in Memphis. So I was a little bit concerned with the Arizona situation if um, if Miller was going to be involved. Um, more heavily and gain a, a more significant suspension, um, especially because uh, the IRP um, said in a statement in 2020, 2021, um, uh, where did this go? I apologize. Uh, basically, they said that, um, th I'm not finding the direct quote, but basically they said that uh, the sole like management of the uh, team and the and the program and the operations fell on Miller's shoulders um, and that it you know the responsibility should be on him thus why they charged him in the first place um, so I was just a, surprised to see them not kind of follow through with any kind of um, significant punishment they're obviously very you know grateful and happy for that for the benefit of you know Xavier and, and our own program but yeah, a little bit, a little bit shocked. Um, and again, this is kind of going forward with Kansas being next on the list, kind of on the horizon. Like I don't really know what to expect from that. Again, five level one violations, the most of any um, program to be evaluated yet. Um, but again, it just sounds like it's going to continually just be more. Oh well, you know, you you can't recruit for three weeks and. You know, you've got one less scholarship and blah, 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 blah. Um, I will say I do find it interesting, and I think this kind of correlates well with the Kansas case. Um, the, IR, or the, um, the IRP said in a statement uh, when talking when releasing this case that the panel um, applied significant weight to Arizona's self-imposed penalties, um, especially the postseason ban in 2021. Um, so I find that to be interesting, especially considering that Kansas just – self-imposed a ban of four games on Bill Self this past, at the, at the start of this season. Um, so does that mean anything? You know, is that also going to be significantly weighted? Um, is a four-game ban of a head coach seen similarly as a post-game ban of a team? I have no idea how they're weighting this stuff. Um, but again, I'll be interested to see kind of what, um, what comes from this kind of going forward. But again, it sounds like this is just going to kind of continually be a slap on the wrist until the IRP has completed all of their cases left on their docket. And then like we reported earlier in the year, they will be closing their doors and we're going to have to go a different direction with ruling on this kind of stuff. And it, I, I'm sure we'll just continue to be more of the same, but also a lot of it's got to be written out, rewritten now with um, NIL being such a, a present uh, deal here in the program. So, Yeah. Um, next big Big, yeah. big, big storyline. Uh, maybe even bigger, honestly. Yeah. Uh, Chris Beard, uh, Texas coach, you know, um, one of the most renowned coaches in college basketball. Great success at Texas Tech. Goes to in-state rival Texas and has really revitalized their program um, in less than two years. You know, they're one of the best teams in the country. Um, charged with a felony-level assault. Um, this is wild. Um good on Texas for immediately um, suspending him without pay before any hardcore details get out um, before like trials and investigations go on I think it's good on them to not just let this like ride and put it on the back burner um, it's a good PR thing as well but at the end of the day I think it's the right thing to do um, obviously you can't really crap on Chris Beard too much because, you know, not everything's come out yet. He hasn't found guilty of anything. He's just been charged. Um, but at the end of the day, this is not a good look at all. Um, I mean, what do you think's uh, coming next, Chris Beard? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a ton to say on this. I am utterly 
shocked and disgusted and and frustrated um because i think my biggest thing is this guy had it made for him i mean seriously like there there is essentially if he if he had continued success at texas kind of like he you know it was looking like he was going to have um i i don't know that there was a job in the country that wouldn't offer him outside of maybe duke just because they like to keep things in house i i mean i think i there's nothing that tells me that North Carolina wouldn't offer him the job if that ever came open, that if Bill Self ever left Kansas, that that job wouldn't come open. Um, Calipari at Kentucky, obviously, is, you know, there's been some discussions recently of that maybe coming to a close soon. There's no reason that I don't think they would offer him the job. So my point is, is that I am shocked that this, I, I mean, obviously it was clearly a heated disagreement and argument with you know, the woman being reported as his um, fiance. Um, and, and within a matter of hours, you know, he's, if all of this comes to be true, obviously kind of thrown his life away. I think w what I would like to see from Texas, and I think they, I agree with you, they, they kind of gave the highest level of, you know, suspension without pay. There's nothing really more you can do at this point. Um, I don't think you can fire him just yet, obviously. Um, but they did. They waited until like an hour and a half before tip on Monday night because this all happened late, late Sunday night into Monday morning. And they played a game on Monday night. They beat Rice in overtime. Um, and obviously that's so secondary to this. Um, but I was just surprised to not see a quicker set of action, especially with because he was charged so quickly. And because of the police report, you know, uh, in the affidavit coming out saying that, you know, these were the claims and that the police could um, confirm that, you know, there were bite marks on this woman's body, that there were, um, you know, significant bruises and things like that. Stuff like that, like, you know, obviously, again, it's all charged and there's no way to absolutely prove yet. But I, I would have to assume that to some extent that, you know, one plus one is two here, and the University of Texas, I think, has to come to a consensus around them what they want to do because, again, Beard's attorney also came out on Monday and said that um, the plaintiff wanted the charges dropped. And, again, we haven't heard from her or from any of her representation that that is true yet. Um, but, again, like, that's out there. So I guess my point is, and, and this is, you know, an issue with domestic violence all across the country, of a lot of these things getting handled kind of in-house and, you know, people dropping charges and saying, well, this was just, you know, a big fight and blah, 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 blah. What I do want to mention is that I think the University of Texas needs to figure out whether he is charged or not. If it comes out as true or, or Texas as a university comes to a consensus where they believe that he did these things, I don't see how you can continue to have him on your sideline. I, I just don't. I don't see how that's possible. I don't see how, as a university, you can, I mean, accept and be okay with that. Um, the other piece, and, and again, I know you, you talked about this um, obviously with it being a, a third degree felony is this was a strangulation case, which is different than just, you know, you know, he hit her or whatever. Um, strangulation is, is statistically um, seen as, you know, a kind of a trigger for much more violent behavior. Um, when it comes to domestic violence, I'm not saying I'm any expert on this, but from the you know, bit of research that I did do after this and things like that. Um, this is, so, so my point is, is that that is something that you must keep an eye on there. Um, and just, yeah, you've got, I think Texas has to tread very, very carefully mm -hmm. moving forward um, with that. So. Yeah. And I, I think another part that I hope isn't getting lost in translation as college basketball scope expands is that this man is leading and shaping young men, 17, 18, 19-year-olds. Yes. And even if he isn't found guilty, he's still associated with this behavior. Right. And 
I just can't see how a university would want this guy around. Um, I think what's going to end up happening if he, if the charges are dropped or if he's found not guilty, if anything that like results in him not having to go to jail, I think they're going to suspend him a year. I, I don't think that, um, I I just, I can't imagine that they are like, want to give up already. Um, unless like there's a big outside push, but if there was an outside push to, to have happened, it's coming at UT Texas, like university of Texas. Cause like their endowment, their boosters, their identity is so strong. The sphere of influence that Texas has all over the country is massive. And if for a second, they judge or they don't trust Beard's character or his judgment on anything, he's out. Um, I would hope so. Um, one other thing I wanted to add to this, and just this is the last thing we'll kind of mention on it, but just to to show how they have handled these things previously or, or really right now, um, Arterio Morris is a five-star freshman for Texas right now. He's playing on the basketball team. He's on the roster. Um, over the summer, he was charged also with a misdemeanor assault after arrest. Granted, yes, misdemeanor different than felony, but still, same situation. He is still yet to go to trial. He is still yet to be you know, found guilty of anything, and they have allowed him to continue to participate in practice, to continue to play, things like that. So it's just worth noting um, that that is how they have treated this situation. Again, these two situations are very, very different. Player versus coach is different. Obviously, misdemeanor versus felony is very, very different. Um, so a lot of differences there, but just want to mention that. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously it's unfortunate, um, you know, our, our, our deepest condolences and, and thoughts and prayers, um, go out to, um, his fiance, um, and, and anyone else involved in the situation, obviously. So, um, with that, I think we'll kind of move on from the, Two heavier notes of the uh, of the podcast, and we can uh, we can move forward. Let's let's talk a little basketball, right? Because um, after all, that is that is what we're here to do, um, kind of at the start of things. So, looking back to last Thursday, December eighth, um, only a couple good games that night. Uh, Iowa, Iowa State, Cyhawk, um, Iowa getting off on a on a like two days after losing to Duke at MSG, turn around and blow Iowa State out of the water, winning seventy five fifty six. Um, no big shocker there. And then the other one, uh, worth noting was, uh, right up the road, um, Ohio State and Rutgers played a tough one. Rutgers has had the number of a lot of really good Big Ten teams recently. Um, but Tanner Holden made a three-pointer as time expired, um, as the buzzer sounded. Um, and it, I mean, it was a great shot. Not taking anything away from him there. Shouldn't have counted. Um, obviously this is a rule that just was missed. It's not reviewable, unfortunately. Um, but Holden was out of bounds and had not reestablished himself in bounds and was the first player to touch the ball since coming in bounds. Uh, so it should not have counted. Um, I know some Rutgers players noticed it right off the bat. I personally didn't notice it. I watched it live. I didn't see it right away. Um, so, you know, obviously I, I can see how it would be missed. Um, but just worth noting that, that should have been a win for Rutgers, and that should have been a, a quality quad one win on the road um, for Rutgers. And again, that you know, for a team like that, that that could be you know a, a big difference coming down the stretch in uh, in March. Yeah, um, I'm like so intrigued as to what Rutgers can do this year. Um, like, are they just going to be like kind of how they were last year, just like upper upper half of the Big Ten? That's like just like scraping by. And then they just like shock the world like once every three weeks, or if they're actually going to be for real. Um, well, Ohio State, um, I think that they still need some time, you know, kind of get some cohesion um, after a very different roster than last year. Um, but I do want to, I'd like kind of just like pencil in um, this Ohio State Purdue matchup um, uh, at. At value at value city or in... yeah. So the the first time that they'll play is um, 
at Valley City in Columbus uh, first week of January. And while Ohio State has kind of been like up and down, they're kind of struggling to get consistent play from you know their main guys. Their one bright spot has been Zed Key, their starting center. Um, and Zach Eadie's looked like player, player of the, the year. year. Yeah. And I mean, how great would it be that like Ohio State like kick, kicks it together and then you have to, you know, it's like this juggernaut of Goliath versus, versus Goliath. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to that game. I think that's going to be one of the more exciting games. Um, mostly because, you know, Ohio State is seven and two right now. Um, and they play North Carolina. Uh, this weekend, which who knows what we're gonna get from North Carolina? Yeah, but and then after that they play um at Northwestern, Alabama, A and M, and Maine. So yeah. you, you could very well see them going four and zero in that game. Purdue is you know the number one ranked team in the country right now. Like that that could be a like a very yeah. fun uh, early January matchup. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Um, all right, looking forward to Saturday. I guess looking back to Saturday, a um, couple notable ones, and we can kind of go through these one on one by one. A um, couple mid major games: Drexel uh, battle of battle in Philly down there beat LaSalle sixty five fifty eight in overtime. Love to see those games. Vermont and Colgate, two of the best mid majors out there. Um, definitely going to be a couple tournament teams most likely this year. Vermont won seventy three seventy two on the road at Colgate. Love to see those two mid majors matching up early on in the season. Um, Penn State went into Champaign and after Illinois just rolled Texas and uh, you know we were all talking oh you know who's gonna are there you know Illinois is gonna be up there at the top of the Big Ten with uh, with Purdue and then Penn State comes in and just absolutely rolls Illinois win seventy four fifty nine um, if you haven't found the Brad Underwood post game press conference from that game yet please go find it it is hilarious he absolutely rips into his players saying there's no leadership um he was just trying to find guys he said he was running subs like hockey subs just trying to find someone that could give an effort um so interesting to hear that and see that uh play out um but yeah i mean illinois i mean that's a that's a bad loss again i think penn state's a good team this year um and i think they could you know make a make a tournament uh appearance here this year towards the end of the you know march or Sorry, the end of February, early March. Um, but again, not what you want to see um, if you're a Fighting Illini fan. So um, Syracuse and Georgetown rekindling the rivalry. 19-point uh, win for the Qs. Again, both those teams probably going to miss the tournament. Um, but worth noting that. Uh, Florida State won the Toilet Bowl. They moved to 2-9 and nine on Saturday, <laughs> winning 75-53 over 0-9. Louisville. Louisville plays tonight against Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky on the road at Louisville is 7.5-point favorites. I, it's something I never thought I would see before. Um, but then again, also am not going to be at all surprised if they win. So, um, Big red. But again, we were talking about it. Uh, who they play? Um, crap. Who did I text you? I texted you about uh, Louisville's playing someone, and they're going to be winless. And Kentucky. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, Louisville at Kentucky is December 31st, I think. I said it was New Year's Eve. Um, and I was like, just imagine them going in there winless, going into Rupp Arena. You know, Kentucky favored by 35 and a half, and Louisville somehow gets it done. Um, would be unbelievable, but obviously very, very unlikely. Um also worth noting, um, another mid-major, Drake takes a really bad loss at Richmond. They lost 82-52, not a good look. Bulldogs need to get a lot of key wins here um, just in case they don't win that conference tournament. Um, but again, that's going to be one of those where if they don't win that uh, Missouri Valley Conference tournament, they might be in trouble this year. But top 25 matchup next week against Mississippi State coming up. Um, so a couple good ones there for the Bulldogs on the horizon. Um, Purdue took overtime to beat Nebraska. Uh, they tried to walk into, they tried to get into Pinnacle Bank and and just you know slide out with a win, um, but you know wasn't wasn't that easy. Um, did still take care of business though, uh, improving to ten and zero there. Um, Alabama and Houston. Alabama goes on the road to Houston and takes care of business, gets a good seventy one sixty five win. They also just beat Memphis last night. Um, so Alabama does well there, knock off number one team in the country. Um, again, Houston, I, I they play. Uh no they don't play Gonzaga, um Alabama plays Gonzaga, um 
not a ton of really significant games left for Houston outside of this weekend um, at Virginia. And I cannot wait for that game. Um, top five game at Virginia. This is going to be Virginia's first really, really big test. Obviously, they've had a lot of really good games. Uh, but I think this game is going to be is going to be one of the is if not the best one of the best of the weekend um up there with the world cup final um no i'm kidding i'm kidding of course of course world cup's on a different pedestal but um no very excited for that game um for whatever reason it's on espn too because we got to have the bahamas bowl on espn or whatever um but yes espn 2 two o'clock eastern on saturday circle your calendars mark your calendars get ready that's going to be a doozy um but yeah alabama takes care of business they're looking really really good nate oats is Obviously doing his thing there. St. Mary's gets a great win over San Diego State. That's huge for them, 68-61. Um, they add one there. Um, what else we got? We've got... Um, Memphis over Auburn. Thank you, Memphis over Auburn. Um, worth noting, Auburn a, l- a little bit underperforming so far um, this season. 82-73 for Memphis. Good win there. Um Kansas goes in and just wipes the floor with Missouri on the road, 95-67. Obviously, you know, I guess a little bit of a surprise. I can't say no surprise because personally, like, I was a little bit shocked to see him win by that much. Um, But, again, just the better team there. Um, And then Arizona took care of Indiana um, in a neutral site in Las Vegas. Um, Great win, 89-75. It, it, it was weird because it was like every time I look up, like Indiana would be making a little run and keeping it, you know, somewhat close. Um, but again, I think both great teams, and obviously Arizona, doing really good things, looking really good so far here early in the season. Um, and they have Indiana now has uh, Kansas next on the docket, um, so mark that one up. That'll be a good one at Kansas this weekend. Um, and then the last one I wanted to note. Um, BYU, 500 BYU, uh, took care of Creighton. Creighton now on a five-game skid. Um, not good. Not good for the Blue Jays. Um, they're six and five now, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so yeah, six and five and just not, not really showing a lot of inspiring play heading, heading into Big East. Um, and, and yeah, like I'm concerned. I, I think, you know, we were kind of saying like it's gotten to the point where it's like, bad for the conference um how poorly they're playing um which is unfortunate um and then oh also arizona further note they play tennessee this weekend so again we'll get into this weekend's games but this weekend is absolutely stacked it's gonna be so many great games so anyway that wraps up the saturday slate i know that was a lot graham take it where you want it let's talk about what you want um and yeah let me know what do you what are you thinking on what games um first uh most important uh, game that uh, happened this Saturday. Um, St. Thomas Tommy's oh, uh, sorry. took care that. of I- Idaho State. Did you put that one on the shared doc? I, mean, I thought I missed yeah. that one. Uh, that moved them up to 8-4. and four. They are now 9-4. Yeah, and four. Um, You know, with losses to Creighton, Utah, and both Montana universities. Um you know, you, you got to love the Tommies. Um, you, they're up next, man. Uh, you, you don't want to see this team in March. No. Uh, whether it's the CBI or the NIT. Um, but in all seriousness, if we uh, you know, want to talk about Saturday, uh, first big game, Alabama-Houston. Um, I'm a huge fan of the way that Nate Oates is um, – revolutionized Alabama's play style. They play fast. They play exciting. Um, they shoot a bazillion threes. Yeah. I, Alabama-Houston is a great matchup because I feel like they have very similar mm-hmm. play styles. So there's a few tweaks here and there, but that what's make, that's what makes them um, very good. Uh, great to see that uh, Alabama was able to get a, a big win. I think the SEC is going to be a bloodbath. For like those top four, totally. Top I think four I think seeds. the SEC and the Big Ten to me are very very similar this year. Yeah, um, not a whole lot uh, that I wanted to add. Um, other than uh, Arizona looks very good. Um, we watched majority of that game Saturday night. I I think it's pretty unbelievable that Arizona was once you know um, one of the most formidable. 
um, you know, basketball schools of all time. And then, you know, Sean Miller leaves and it's like, oh, wow, what's going to happen to Arizona? And Tommy Lloyd comes in and it's been absolutely incredible. Um, this Arizona team is the best offense in the country right now. And they were able to shut down Trace Jackson Davis. I mean, how many teams in the country are able to stop? You know, how, how many teams are going to be able to stop uh, an All-American while putting up 90 points? Right. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty unbelievable. You know, it, I hate rooting for him because I'm an Ohio State football fan at heart. Uh, but I am such a big fan of Penn State. <laughs> they absolutely just jack it up. Those Nittany Lions yeah, love. Yeah, they shoot so many. I mean, it's love like the trade balls. And you know they're shooting like four at they're shooting like a thousand threes a game at yeah. like a forty percent clip. Shout out Grinnell College. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Uh, go Nittany Lions, um, but don't let any of my Columbus boys hear that. Right. Um, but not not a whole lot to talk about other on Saturday. Um, Sunday, we saw a great game uh, between Tennessee and Maryland. It was it like one of the hardest watches I've ever had. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, it didn't, like, light it up. I, it is – those are two teams that, um, like, you're just kind of waiting for them to just, like, snap. And, like, I agree. Like, I think those two teams could very well, um, you know, be some Final Four picks when people are making their brackets towards the end of the year. Yeah. But I could also see them, you know, just, like, not being able to take <clears> advantage <throat> of some games, you know, in that – SEC and Big Ten, you know, we just mentioned how, like, it might be a bloodbath. Yeah. But it was, like, top four or five seeds. Well, I think it'll be interesting, too, because, like, with Tennessee, they're the best defense in the country right now. And, you, I mean, you see that when you're holding a, a very, very good Maryland and very, very proficient Maryland team to 53 points. Um, but what I'm really interested to see is, is another note on that Arizona-Tennessee game this weekend. That's the number one offense in the country versus the number one defense. Um, Arizona's got the most efficient offense in the country right now per Kempom, and Tennessee is the, the number one defense. So I think both of those – you know, going, you know, fire against fire, I guess fire against ice is technically what that would be, um, is going to be awesome. So, um, but yeah, couldn't agree more. And yeah, that Tennessee-Maryland game was a tough watch, um, but overall Tennessee did well to, to take care of business there. Um, Badgers took care of business against uh, on the road at Iowa, 78-75. This Wisconsin team's looking pretty good. Um, they just got a big win against Maryland last week. Um, so keep an eye out. Um yeah. Iowa can't seem to decide if they want to be good or bad I, this year. Yeah, exactly. Um, on Sunday, you gotta also add that uh, Mississippi State, um, while you know Minnesota isn't anything you know ride home about, they took care of business on the road, and you know it improved to nine and zero on the year. Um, again, you know the SEC like this is. Like the days of like Kentucky running the table are so so long. far gone. Yeah. Yes. Um, like Kentucky could conceivably finish like fourth or fifth in the SEC this year. Yeah, I, Mississippi State has you know an awesome schedule in my opinion, um, because you know they play like some solid like programs, but you know their schedule is like very weak right now. Um, you know they play Jackson State tonight. They play Nichols College and then Drake. Um, hey now, watch yourself on the Bulldogs. I'll be there in attendance. I'll be rowdy for the Bulldogs. Yeah, I'll be. Uh, it's a. It's at uh, Pinnacle Bank in, <laughs> in Lincoln. Battle in the vault. Yeah. So as soon as they, you know, they will most likely finish up um, this part of their non-conference schedule undefeated, unless disaster occurs in the vault. <laughs> then they host. Alabama in a 9 p.m. Eastern time tip, and then Wait, what's the date on that? Because I'm gonna 12:28. 12:28. Cool. Blocking off my schedule. Can't yeah. Wait. And then, um, you know they get to drink some champagne on New Year's, and then on the third they travel to Rocky Top at Tennessee. Jeez. And I think the two best teams in the SEC, Alabama and Tennessee, you got to face them back to back. I mean, what a way to I mean, if you're Mississippi State, you got to see that as an opportunity. Because I feel like one reason why like, a lot of people haven't been talking to them as much is that, like, their best win is Marquette right now. And, like, Marquette is good, not most likely a tournament team. But, you know, their next, like, 
most impressive win is like a routing against Minnesota or a three-point win versus Utah. They haven't played that many good teams. Um, and I think that's a great opportunity for Mississippi State um, to kind of set the tone for how the rest of the SEC play is going to look like for them. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Monday, only a couple notable results. Um, first of all, late-night mid-major cap. Um, New Mexico beat San Fran. Um, Patina and the boys improved to uh, to 10-0. and um, So, yeah, I love seeing that. I'm excited to see how their season continues down there for the Lobos down in the pit. Um, San Francisco, obviously, a little shaky after a great season last year, so hoping to see more out of them um, as the season goes on. Arizona State improved to 10-1 with another loss for Creighton. Um, 6-5, and five, again, shocked, as we all are. Um, and seriously, at the point of like hoping they improve to, to you know keep the, the level of the Big East play. Um you know, at a good level um, as we get into, you know, deeper into conference play as conference play opens up this weekend. Um, and then last night, um, really nothing to report. Um, Alabama, again, like I said, great win against Memphis. Um, Memphis took them to the brink. They scored, both teams scored 55 points in the second half. There was like no defense played. Um, so it's fun to watch. Um, and Memphis, I, I need to just have a moment and stress this. If you haven't seen them yet, look them up. Maybe some of my favorite basketball jerseys I've ever seen last night for the Memphis Tigers. I mean, they were slick. They were black. They had like a little like kind of faded gold going on. Logo in the center. I love that look. Um, so yeah, great. good on the Tigers for wearing those beauties. Um, just wasn't enough to get it done. Wasn't enough swagger to get it done against Alabama. But again, a very good game. Very fun game to watch. Run and gun. Um, kind of honestly, kind of felt like an AAU game a little bit watching it. Like it was like look at these five star studs that are all like six six throwing lobs and pulling up from forty feet. Like it was it was fun to watch. So, um, uh, but yeah, so that was the final game last night. Um, and yeah, that kind of wraps up our content from the recap of the week. Uh, Graham, you want to lead us off with some crosstown takes? Yeah. Um, since uh, we unless you got anything else to mention on the Monday Tuesday games, uh, do you want to talk about Saturday? Coming Before up? or after Musketeer Minute? This upcoming Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's do it now. Um, yeah, that's a good point. So, yeah, Saturday is just a loaded slate. Um, I'm gonna go in time order here for you. Give me more TVs. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to start here in time order for you. Noon, Indiana at Kansas. Uh, 12.30, Providence at Seton Hall. Again, Big East getting started this week. Keep that one noted. 1 o'clock, Alabama at Gonzaga in Birmingham. Or, I guess not at Gonzaga. Alabama-Gonzaga in Birmingham. So, basically a home game for Alabama. But still should be a good test for both teams. Um, <clears throat> 2 o'clock, Houston at Virginia. Going to be a just such a good game. I cannot wait for that one. Um, top five matchup. Can't wait to see what both those teams have. Um, moving forward, three o'clock, CBS Sports Class, Classic in the Garden, Ohio State, North Carolina. Again, what are we going to get from UNC? Like Graham was talking about earlier, Ohio State looking like they're pretty solid so far this year. Excited to see what that game has for us. Um, keep this one in kind of your back pocket a little bit. Villanova's got to go on the road to St. Joseph's. Um, those Power Five games in the in Philly or the big five games in Philly are always get interesting, so keep that one noted. 5-15, UCLA, Kentucky, also in the Garden, CBS Sports Classic, going to be a great one. 6-15, Davidson, Purdue, keep an eye on that one. The Wildcats, I'm not saying this just because you're on the pod. I promise you the Wildcats are going to make this one interesting. I don't care that it's in Indianapolis. It's going to be a good one. Yeah. UConn's got to go to Butler. I... I'm not putting anything past him. Butler's looked solid so far this year. It's a rough first um, game. Yeah, exactly. Got to go to an adverse environment in Hinkle. Um, 7 o'clock Saturday night. Keep it. Keep that one noted. 8 o'clock Saturday night. Key game for both of these teams. Drake, St. Louis. Don't miss it. Going to be a great mid-major game. I do think that's going to be a huge resume builder for both those sides, depending on who comes out on top. Um, and then, of course, the nightcap. The West Coast. Oh. Saturday night. Tennessee, Arizona, fire versus ice, best defense versus best offense in the country. 
I'm going to be up so late on Saturday night. I, I don't think I'm going to move from the couch. Okay, from, central time. For, yeah, true. 11. So 11 to 11.30. <laughs> true. Yeah, it's going to be 12 hours of just nonstop hoops. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you guys my rapid fire. Um, you know, Indiana, Kansas, awesome. Um, I don't think that we are talking about this enough. Indiana being good is so good for the sport. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Um, like a few years ago, um, like a crappy Indiana team, like going to Kansas, like oh god, like well, don't that's because when they on. made the deal a couple of years ago, they were still like because they were like they're gonna, it's like I think it's a six year home and home. Yeah. And so when I it first came out, this was back when it was like post Crean, and they were just like, <sighs> like it was like Archie was making a mess of it, and I was like, that's not gonna be fun. Yeah. Um, so that'll be awesome. Um, I really hope that Indiana can bounce back from the Arizona game and uh, give Kansas a run for their money. That's great for the sport, and that will set the tone for the rest of the day, starting that off at noon um, for me, 11 for Evan. Then <laughs> um, cranking it up, Alabama, Gonzaga. Um, also, like, sidebar, I hate this game. Um why, why is in Birmingham? Why even like? Why if you're gonna do neutral site, which like I don't like, throw it in Vegas or St. Louis. I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. Like if you're gonna go all the way to Alabama, why not just play on campus? Heritage Bank in Cincinnati. <laughs> do do something other. I, I agree. Yes. Um, Houston, Virginia. Um, God, this is gonna be so good. Wow, wow, wow. We've been talking about this game for a few weeks now. Um, that Virginia and Houston have a great opportunity ahead of them. Um, moving on, North Carolina, Ohio State. Love this game. Madison Square Garden, CBS Sports Classic. That is awesome. Um, Ohio State has a great opportunity to um, show that they are for real. And, you know, beat like. While North Carolina hasn't looked as formidable as we thought they were going to be, mm-hmm. still the North Carolina brand. It's still Madison Square Garden. That'd be a great win. On the other hand, if there's a time that North Carolina can, you know, show like, hey guys, we were supposed to be national. Yeah, we were the preseason number one team in yeah, the country, like, and we're still here. Go beat a ranked team at Madison Square Garden. That is an right. absolutely great game with amazing stakes. Um, looking forward to that one. Uh, and then following that game, uh, you know, still at Madison Square Garden, the CBS Sports Classic, UCLA, Kentucky. Uh, UCLA has a heater of a game tonight uh, playing Maryland. Yeah. Um, so good. At, at Maryland. Uh, rough stretch for uh, the Bruins, you know, going at Maryland, and then you have to play under the big lights, uh, playing one of the most um, known brands. Uh, I feel like Kentucky's one of those schools that no matter where you're from, no matter where you go, you'll see some blue checkers. Um, and then on Big Ten Network, in the Indy Classic, Purdue looking to advance to you know, being one of the best teams in college basketball faces the Davidson Wildcats. Davidson Wildcats have three losses, Evan. They lost to Charleston. Charleston. <laughs> Not good. No. Charleston is one of the best mid-majors in the country right now. They are 10-1. and one. Their only loss is a 15-point loss at North Carolina while they were still the one seed in the second week. Then they have two other losses for less than four points, two baskets away from being 9-1. and one. I, hate that. I hate that argument. I love it. Who was saying that earlier? Oh, that was Kenny the Kenny Payne. Payne. Yeah, Elite no, we're, we're, we're three. We're, we're three baskets away from being three zero. Kenny Payne, Davidson basketball. What could go wrong? <laughs> um, UConn Butler, Butler. I think Butler grow a pair and just <laughs> just do it. Like absolutely, <laughs> like get get all Hinkley and just just do it. Like. I, I feel bad because, like, he, he lit us up all three times we played him. But that, like, that uh, that European dude, like, just... Yes, like, I know just, exactly. Just, What's his name? God, I gotta find it. Just unload that clip. <laughs> like, just just spray it all over UConn. Um, set the tone. 
And to cap it all off, um, after uh, an amazing name. C- sorry, Simas Lucosius. Yeah, that's my guy right there. Um, <laughs> Tennessee, Arizona, 1030. Wow, what could possibly go wrong? Nothing. It's going to be amazing. The best defense versus the best offense. And the best part is, like, Tennessee cannot score the ball. And Arizona's kind of proven that outside of, you know, their rim protector and bio, they can't really play defense. So I think it's just going to be awesome. Um, but yeah, I'm still trying to get the fact that you just told Thad Mata to grow a pair. <laughs> he needs to. I can't get wait. Get hinkly, man. Yeah, seriously. Saturday's going to be awesome. All right, let's go. Um, Musketeer Minute, let's wrap this, and let's get out of here. Um, Crosstown, what are your initial takeaways? I mean, I think we both have similar feelings. Graham and I were both in the building um, on Saturday um, and got to walk out victorious. Um, but to try team really tried not to so uh what are your initial takeaways uh end of the day wins a win um totally agree while uc is not as formidable as they used to be i think it was our freshman year of high school they were two seed um Mm -hmm. in the ncaa tournament they are still our rival they are still like while we have their number the past 15 years um and it's been four straight the end of the day it's hostile environment there's a lot of emotions and while xavier um was up uh 17 at half and only ended up winning by three points um you still can't like get down uh on on this game at all um i you you see try to make it interesting and they did and i thought that we took care of business um there's a lot of uh, bright spots in this game. Um, what my biggest takeaway is that when it came down to it, we were able to like, okay, like let's buckle back in. Right. Um, towards the end of the stretch, um, I, the biggest problem I think that we have right now, um, outside of like our on-ball defense, is like, uh, where are we gonna get some sparks? Um, I feel like Jerome has been the only person that's come off the bench this year that's like, you know what you're going to get. Right. And Jerome's job is not to score the ball. It's not to light it up on the box score. He's just there to you know play defense and the tangibles, be the garbage man, yeah. do all the dirty work. He's such a glue guy for this team. He's such a glue guy. Yeah, and I am... He all... holds it together when some of those guys need to, need to breathe. Yeah, and I am, you know, a huge fan of... Uh, you know, having a great guy on the bench that can do all like the stuff that no one else wants to do, but that can't be your bench guy. Right. You like, need a scorer off the bench, and I, and I think Des can be that. Yeah. He's just got to he's got to step into his role because we've seen flashes. Like we've seen that he's a natural freaking yeah. athlete and a scorer of the ball. He needs to just step into that. Yeah. And the reason I'm optimistic about this all is um, when you you know the four other people that we haven't talked about on the bench with, you know, Dez, Kiki, Cam, and Cesar. All four of them are gifted offensive players. Yeah, I agree. I think Kiki could be the guy, too. I mean, Cam Craft, one of the best freshman shooters in the country. Uh, Kiki Tandy, um, he's shown uh, how good of an offensive player he can be. Dez Claude, a great frame. He's, you know, uh, while his shots aren't falling, he's been more aggressive, and you love to see, like, that kind of play from him as of late. Um and Cesar, I mean, like, while, you know, like, it's it's a little bit uh, raw right now, like, he he's getting good shots. He's, you know, he's put, positioned himself in a good way. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's a few biggies games away from, I think, being able to, you know, get you five to ten good minutes a night of, you know, putting the ball in the basket a few times. Like, that's all you really need. Yeah, I totally um, agree. It isn't like in the NBA where you need, like, nine guys, you know, playing, like, 25-plus minutes a night. Like, you just need guys to come in 10 to 20 minutes off your bench that just give you something. And I think that's what Xavier's waiting on. And I think that's what UConn – that's the only thing that UConn has on us right now. Um, And I think if we can get some bench cohesion and some better on-ball defense, like – I think we're right up there with UConn 
and that's an unbiased opinion. I think like on paper we are right there. We're just we're just not like completely gelled right now. I agree, and I, and we're still missing that marquee win, um, which I think is a frustrating piece because and as from a fan perspective, that's what's so 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 frustrating about this about this UConn game being on break because dude, if that was during the if if all the students were here for that that game would be nuts. I mean, crazy. Like, it would be an unreal atmosphere. I'm talking, like, Crosstown if UC was ranked, you know? Like, I, I'm saying, like, this is... It would be such a great atmosphere to bring a top three team. It'd be the highest-ranked team any of us have ever seen currently at the at the school. Um, outside of maybe Villanova might have been, uh, you know, one or two... Um, you know, maybe some of these seniors freshman year, um, but again, then COVID happened there sophomore year. So again, point being, it would be an unreal atmosphere, uh, atmosphere, and it's so 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 unfortunate that it is happening over break. Um, I still think the home atmosphere will be there. Obviously, it's still going to sell out. Like it's still going to be a packed house. Um, it just won't be led entirely by students, which is unfortunate. Um, but I do think that uh, Cintas can still do its thing and still make an impact on the game. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think. Um, overall, Crosstown was frustrating. I think my biggest takeaway was that I wouldn't have been as frustrated if it was a close game the whole way. If we lost by or if we won by three in the end, great. That's a great solid victory. But the fact that we were up by so many, up by seventeen and a half, um, it was frustrating to see um, how kind of soft we got there in the second half, allowing them to get back in the game. Um, but again, overall, like I, I agree with you on paper, good win on the road, rivalry game, have no problems with it. Um, just a couple of mental breakdowns, defensive breakdowns there, um, in the second half that, that really, really hurt us. Um, but yeah, overall, I feel good about it. Southern last night, um, offense didn't look great. It wasn't clipping at its normal rate. Um, and granted that's probably just because of Southern's play style, a little bit more disruptive. Um, we are very strong handed, very quick, um, on the ball defense. So un- understandable, um, but just didn't have this the typical flow it it usually has. Um, defense looked a little better, um, especially out of some guys individually. I will say I think Adam Kunkel, um, while he did kind of early early on in the game get beat quite a few times, towards the end he really started to shape it up. I know he had a couple possessions in a row um, where he was forcing guys out of bounds. He did get called for a foul once, but hey, I'll I'll take him get called getting called for a foul on a drive over just getting beat off the dribble every time. So. Um, I do think there were some individual sparks there. Um, I think Kiki played pretty well last night, which was good to see. Um, and again, I agree with you. I think Des and Cam, as the freshmen, started to look a lot better last night. Um, so yeah, we'll see um, what they can bring here in the future. But yeah, Big East coming up Friday. First game, first uh, true, true road Big East game. Um, we're at Georgetown. I think it's a great way to start the season. Obviously, um, you, know, you still get that road atmosphere, that... Uh, that Big East atmosphere playing at Georgetown. Again, a good, solid team, um, but not going to be your hardest test by any means uh, throughout the season. So I do like kind of the timing of it. Um, but yeah, looking forward to it. A little weekend trip to D.C. Hopefully get the boys a, a win and uh, and get them back here before a, a couple big games. Obviously, Seton Hall next Tuesday early on in the week. Um, and then you got a little Christmas break, and then you play at St. John's, and then, of course, the big one at home against UConn. Yeah, um final things you know that um very excited to see how we look against the big east team um you know georgetown you know has kind of has this bad rap of not being that good um but at the end of the day you know you're going on the road starting big east play it's different um than playing southern and montana and morgan state um i think that you know georgetown offers um a lot and in the regards of they have a very solid starting five of talented players. Um, I don't think that they play that well together. Um, but between Spears and Murray and Acock Acock, like I think that they have the um, opportunity um, this year more than last year to, you know, shock someone. So I, I – like this test of like you have to respect them um but you're not going in you know how butler has to you know play yukon or anything like that this is a good test for us uh kind of set the tone for how we want the rest of biggies play to go 
I'm very excited. Um, you know, this is going to be an absolute unbelievable uh, weekend of college basketball. Uh, Big East play starting up. The unbelievable slate that we have on Saturday from uh, noon to 10.30 uh, Eastern time. Um, I'm insanely excited for that. Of course, we have the World Cup uh, final on Sunday. Uh, there's a lot of good things going on, and I hope that you guys all enjoy the uh, rest of December. Uh, we'll see you all next week. Um, lock in on these games. We'll have a bunch to talk about next Wednesday. Goodbye. Cheers.